Hey everyone, welcome to Sacred Cow Barbecue. It's Tuesday, May 19th, and I wish I had known my guest a year or so ago because I started getting hammered by collection agencies because of a company debit card that I had and that the owner would make me pay for things on my debit card and then not pay the bill for advertising and things like that. So, gosh, Marshall Schroeder, I wish I knew you then. Welcome to Sacred Cow Barbecue. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing great. Listen, you've written a book about this. You had so many wins that your wife, who was originally opposed to what you were doing, said, you better write a book. That's exactly right. I'm like a lot of patriots out there where your 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 other half is not really on the same page as as you are in your viewpoints and, and what you do with it. So uh, she came around after after I helped a lot of her friends, actually, that were in trouble and uh, had nowhere to go, nowhere to turn, had no money, didn't know what to do. And I, I got them all out of their other predicament. And as the years went by, she was convinced, obviously, that it was effective. Yeah, when all of a sudden all your friends are singing your husband's praises, you say, well, maybe I ought to take another look at this. <laughs> Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, that well, that's awesome. That's really good. So, how did this all start? I mean, when when I know you came out of the Patriot movement, like a lot of people, and you're friends with Dave Merlin, and you and we agree that there's a lot of things that we agree about the Patriot movement that are right, but they're not effective. Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, me and David Merlin are on the same page on that whole philosophy. I I got involved about '96 with the whole movement and studying and. I spent so much, you know, first of all, let me just say that you don't waste any time by studying. Whether it's anything that you use or not, it's still background information. So I learned through trial and error that I was winning in court and out of court without anything but the law. And oh, well, not just, the real, not, not, not the common law. You're talking the statutes right, right. and all that, that sense. Yeah, with what the courts use. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was winning. I said, well, if I can win with this, why would I bring other stuff in that just angers them and raises their ire? And really, it takes the whole argument in a different direction. I wanted to win on the merits. If you have enough, you just club them over the head so they yield. <laughs> I mean, I hate to say it, but that's about what it, that's what they understand. Yeah, well, you know, I haven't seen that. You know, we were talking about a case on Daniel Smith's and Court today, opening arguments, the Federal Court of Appeals, uh, Ninth Circuit, just kicked his appeals to the curb this week in an emergency appeal. And it's just the corruption at that level is unbelievable. But you've got some hope for people against creditors. Yeah. That, that's your strong suit, right? Well, I can, I can tell you this, well, sort of, yes, yes and no. When I started writing this book eight months ago, it took me that long to write it. It was supposed to deal with debt collectors, creditors, and credit bureaus. And what I discovered about 300 pages later was I could not possibly write a book on, on all three at the same time. It, was, it would be voluminous. I'd have an 800 to 1,000-page uh, book when I got done. So as I read and wrote and read and wrote, I, I decided I, I just I got to stay focused. So the, the problem people are really having is with the debt collectors. And so and since they're easier to beat, I wanted to get that one done first. And then the next book will probably be on creditors and 
uh, credit bureaus combined because they're kind of married. You know, you can hit them both at the same time. So this book, I mean, I know about that. I do it all the time. But this book is primarily focused on dealing with debt collectors, although the stuff would apply to them as well. Now, your, your book is going to be hot off the press. This next, this next week, it'll be available in the hard – well, it's going to be a spiral-bound uh, book because it's a workbook. I, I didn't want to put it in a binding where you'd be breaking the back, you know, because it's it's meant to be studied and looked at and copied or whatever you want to do with it. So it is a spiral bound book intentionally and uh, it will be, you know, it'll be out this week. And I also have a Kindle coming out. Uh, it's being worked on right now. My website, which is debtcollectoreradicator.com will be finished next weekend as well. Great. So it's all it's all being done at the same wow, time. Wow, this is a uh, hot off the press. So great. It's, yeah, you can't even get one right now. So, tell, so, so tell, tell me, tell me one of your favorite stories about turning this kind of situation around for someone. Well, I'll tell you what the funnest thing for me is, and I had a guy. I just we just won a case in Virginia, uh, another communist wealth state. <laughs> Like Pennsylvania, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, they in the common Commonwealth, they can do whatever they want. But he uh, was in a court case for twenty thousand on a credit card, and it was the second debt collector he had on the same debt, and they filed in court, and he wanted to go in. So I said, okay, here's what you're going to do when you get in there. They're going to they're going to use two issues because they always it's always the same two things. They have a copy of some kind of a document usually it's a a generic application for a credit card but by the way there's never a contract because a contract is signed by two parties right. and i've never seen one in my life a credit card a contract anyway we, we can get to that later on there's all kinds of fun stuff to dig into <laughs> he i said listen they're going to ask you did you ever had a card did you ever have a card with this company and your answer is going to be i have no documented evidence that i ever had that card because what debt collectors and lawyers specialize in is getting you to make their case because they don't have anything. It's 98% of the guys dragging you into court have no documentation to validate any rights to collect that debt from you, believe it or not. Yeah, and so, so they're waiting for you to incriminate yourself. Well, well this is, it gets better. Okay. He walks in opens this briefcase and starts stacking stuff on top. And I told him this. I said, he's going to have all kinds of props because it's to convince you he's got a mountain of evidence and you're, you're done. And sure enough, this guy's stacking the desk with all these documents and folders and papers, and he's looking through them and stacking them and rearranging them. So the judge comes in and the court case starts. And the first thing the guy says, did you ever have a credit card with this bank? And he said, I have no documented evidence that I ever had your card. And this is a really important answer because you never want to use yes or no. If you say, no, I never had it, you can never prove a negative. It is impossible to prove you never had something. How, how would you do it? Right. And if you say, yes, I had it, you just lost the case. You can go, but, 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 but. it's too late. You've, you just gave him what they wanted. You had the card. Now you're guilty. So by saying every time, 
I have no documented evidence that I ever had your card. Now, I'm not telling you how you got rid of it or if it got misplaced or lost, but you don't want a shred of paper from wherever that XYZ credit card is. So you can honestly say in a courtroom, I have no documented evidence I ever had your card. You brought the case. You prove it. Yeah, it's up to them to prove it. That's right. They're the plaintiff. Let them prove their case, but everyone hands it to them. So the well, lawyer I, starts. I heard l last night that that's how Al Capone got convicted. They got him on tax evasion. Yes. And, and they didn't have, and it wasn't until his accountant uh, tried to take, set up a settlement offer with the IRS, and that's how they got him. Yeah, that's exactly how they got him. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so he says, "Well, is this your signature on this application?" And the guy says, "Well, let me see it." And he takes it, looks at it, he goes, "Well." It could be a copy of my signature, and just like the textbook, they always say, let me rephrase that, Your Honor. Is it a copy of your signature? And the man said, I don't know. You'd have to ask the person who copied it if they copied it from an original. How would I know? And if I told you I did know, it would be hearsay. The judge <laughs> looks at the lawyer and says, do you have anything amounting to evidence in this court? No, no Your Honor. Down comes the gavel. Case dismissed. That whole desktop of documents, papers, and folders had nothing to do with this. And he's jamming him back into his briefcase. He's steaming mad. And the guy <laughs> called me when he walked out and says, Marshall, I was sweating bullets in that courtroom. I've never been to court a day in my life. And I felt like I just won an Olympic uh, competition when I walked out of that courthouse. Oh, my God. His first time in court. First time he in just court. just had to have two or three sentences from you. Five it's minutes. Dismissed. Woo! I love it. So the biggest thing that the book says: challenge everything, question everything. That's your job. I think it, that's the important thing. When people ignore letters from debt collectors, you know, silence is acquiescence. Correct? Uh, yeah, that's exactly right. If you don't answer, like uh, answer a summons or answer a letter that's mailed certified. You basically, you're basically agreeing with whatever they're claiming. So you have to dispute everything, every time. And that's what, that's what hangs them. But this book is designed to help anybody, whether they're the first time they've ever had a debt collector ever, ever bother them, or whether they're a seasoned pro for 10, 20 years. They're going to find something in this book that they haven't come across before. Well, you know, that's, that's amazing because I have a friend. I mentioned him to you. I hope he's listening. But he actually tallied up $20,000 this year in settlements from debt collectors. So people can really go on the offensive with this, can they not? Oh, yeah. It could be a side business, really. I mean, <laughs> I know a guy in Oregon that's done the same thing, like seven or eight court cases in a row. Another friend of mine's won uh, five federal court cases and three state court cases. Never lost a case. So the guys that know what they're doing – and know what to ask and what to do, they win all the time. It's not a myth. It's not a joke. And let me tell you, Patricia, all the, I've bought several books over the years sold by people coming to, to, to solve the debt collecting issue. They were garbage. They didn't have – it's the old stuff like, oh, you're sending a letter every 30 days to ask them to prove it, and they don't answer. You can get out. That stuff doesn't work anymore. They've really become really vicious. Mm -hmm. And uh, you have to know what you're – you can't just do the old stuff that was done 10, 20 years that doesn't work anymore. Wow, that's, not, that's fascinating uh, insight there, Marshall, because 
you know, they do, they tighten up any loopholes, they do everything, and so you have to stay current on the information. Just for the, just to let our audience know, what's the name of your book? The name of the book is How Anyone Can Defeat Any Debt Collector and Repair Their Own Credit Report. Okay. That's I, what, I had all kinds of... I had all kinds of snazzy names, but, but it wouldn't have related the basic point of what the book does. And so, okay, and how a, much? And how much are you going to sell the book for? Twenty nine ninety nine. No way, Matt. Thirty bucks. That's it. Even even if you only value your personal time at ten bucks an hour, <laughs> three hours of research would not get you to the first couple of pages in your book, no, right? No, no, it wouldn't. It's, there's there's thousands of hours of research in here. Study. You know techniques and tactics that work, and but you know what? The people who need it most don't have a lot of money. They're in a bad. Everybody, I, I'll tell you this. This is honest truth. I've never charged a dime to anybody I've ever helped, and I just can't keep. It's just too much. It's just it gets too involved. They don't always follow the advice. It's most of the time. It's, it's everybody I've really stuck with and helped is always one. But I just couldn't help people on that kind of a volume anymore. So the book was my way of saying, look, here's what I do. Here's what works. The templates are all in here. I went to great pains to put the template in and then describe every paragraph as to why it's in there and why it works. Because I want the person not just to send documents off, but know why he's doing it. I want him to know what I know. So... The book is very thorough. It's not a fly-by-night book. It's not some piece of garbage. It's, 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 it's uh, highly undervalued, <laughs> underpriced. My wife was like twenty. My wife was like shocked when I told her I was going to sell it for. But people, I want to get this out to everybody. I want everybody to learn about it and go and stop these guys. It's you know what, and I I refer to it in my book over and over. It's the debt collection racket. It's not a business. It's a racket. They're stealing money from people. They have no valid claim. And by the way, my state recently in Pennsylvania here just slammed the door on debt collectors. They have to attach the contracts to their complaint or it's a fatal error and will be thrown out. Wow, they, they must have them scrambling. Yeah, they don't want to be here anymore. Okay, <laughs> so let's, let's start at square one and explain okay. why this is fraud. Okay. It's it's fraud on a lot of levels, and the book actually goes into how the loans originate. I mean, we're all told how the so-called securitization works. It's a complete lie. They tell you that the bank loans out a, a thousand loans, and then they bundle them together and they sell them to a to a, a investment bank. It's completely wrong. The investment bank people get together and they form investment pools and they've already signed the assumption agreements. The deals are already made. The hands are already shaken. And then the, they give the money to the banks to lend out after the fact. So the real point is you never knew who you borrowed your money from. It wasn't the bank. The banks are pretend lenders. They're at a little window and they take application, they stamp it. You get your money from the investors, and they send the paperwork back to them. It's a, it's a complete fraud. But and is there any real money changing hands? It's just electrons, and they're they're monetizing your signature, correct? Yeah, there's, there's a, like a two page section of my book 
that talks about in a very short, and I had to keep shortening all my sections because you could go on for years, as, as you and I talked about before the radio program. Yeah, the Treasury, the Fed, the banks, it's all digits on a computer. They're all IOUs. There is no money. The only person stuck holding the bag every time is you and me, the consumer. Look what just happened in 2008. After their massive, the, probably the largest fraud ever perpetrated on the planet. Are we talking about which one? About the mortgage collapse. With, right. with, yeah. Uh, after that happened, what did the government do? They, they rewarded them by giving them all the money back that they lost, that they stole. So, uh, and there's plenty of books written about it. You can go find books all over that, that kind of expose what really happens. There's a movie out about it, as a matter of fact. So I address in a very, probably like six pages long, Patricia, I address that topic as exactly how that is being done. And believe it or not, 60 to 70% of every loan you take out is going through that format. Car loans, bank loans. Credit cards, houses, boats, planes. Okay, well, Skype, Skype's going off here, and it says, "Tell us, have him tell us how to obtain the book." Okay, give us the website again, because I got people clamoring here. Okay, the book will be available, and I'm telling you this now. Hopefully by next weekend. Okay. And it's going to be at my website, debtcollectoreradicator.com. Debt. Okay, I'm typing this in. Collector. Debt collector eradicator. Com. Okay, eradicate uh, e r a d i c a t o r dot com. Debtcollectoreradicator dot com. Exactly. Awesome. Very good. It'll, cool. It'll it'll also be available right away at the book patch. It's a, a bookstore on the internet called the book patch. Okay, http bookpatch.com. Yes. Okay, in uh, in the Kindle version. That'll be out soon. It may be on Amazon. Okay. I'll 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 be in touch with you, Patricia. I'll I'll tell you where all this stuff lands. Okay, it's, cool. It's my first time, and so I'm learning. I'm on a learning curve myself. So. <laughs> oh, I know. I and I haven't talked to anyone that's written a book that said and said it was the most laborious process they've ever been through to get it right for the publisher. I have a newfound respect for anybody who writes a book. Yes. It's, now I know why I didn't do it for 15 years. Oh my gosh! But you know what? People need it, and I mean. In my honest opinion, it's going to get much, much worse very soon. Now, now, <laughs> you know, Marshall, you know, you would be justified in charging a thousand dollars for this book. Right, I know, but I, I, it's my my original price was going to be like forty five dollars, and and even at that, the first time you sent one of the letters off, the initial letter would pay for itself you, because you, two people two people can't go to the movies for thirty bucks. I know, I know, I I mean. I've helped so many people, Patricia, that didn't have – they couldn't even pay me to help them. And I was in court with them, helping them do their – I mean, I've – that was thousands of dollars. So yeah. for me, it's uh, – I'm, I'm used to it. So, you know, so, I mean, so, you, so you're not – this isn't – you're not trying to get rich on this. You're just trying to help the world. But it really, everybody, this would be a gift. I mean, if you know someone that's having problems – with, with debt collectors and, and things like that, by all means, get them a copy of this book. Yeah, if you know anybody, do them, give them for, for Christmas, give them for anything you can. Get it in their hands because, listen, these people 24-7 are 
are afraid to answer their phones. They're afraid to go to their mailboxes. They're paranoid. They're they're stressed out. It affects marriages. It affects their children. It, it is, and you know what makes it more insidious is when you read the book, and, and if you read it, you'll see that they never had a right to collect it, and they're putting people through this for nothing. Okay, let's let's talk about this for a minute. This is more of the fraud. So you use your car analogy for us, would you? What in regards to the. Uh, to the uh, securitization or just the debt collector fraud? The, the debt collector part of it. Okay, the debt collector fraud is, and is in my book, it's extensive. It, uh, let me just turn to a page here and the, the uh, heading. There's a section on 13, and, and, and let me say this too. You're going to be shocked when you see the seven page table of contents, single type lines, because I tried to make this so you, when you were in a particular issue or problem, you can go right to it. And find out where it's at. So it's very well laid out. But it has a section here here called uh, the weaknesses of the debt collection racket. And believe it or not, and this is the shocking part. I was surprised when I found it. The Federal Trade Commission did a study. And they basically told consumers exactly where to hit these guys. I mean, they just laid it out. Ask them for these items. They don't have them. So... A debt collector, and there's, Patricia, I'm not kidding you, there's 10 very powerful reasons why they don't, why they don't have a right to collect that debt. And there's more. But I, I, love, I love the illustration you used me the other day about the burned out car, a car that's oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a debt collector. He, yeah. He'll go to a, a burning car on the side of the road and buy it from the owner and then turn around and call the insurance company to collect the money on it. You know, you can't go and buy someone's debt when you have no right to collect on it and then claim you were injured while you're suing them in court, that they owe you the money. It's called subrogation. And subrogation is, is not available to a stranger or mere volunteer. And let me ask you a question. Do you think any debt collector was, in, was, was involved in your original contract? No, you, you didn't. In A, you didn't have a contract. And B... Uh, they weren't involved. And, and how were they harmed? They had no harm. They didn't. No. And let me ask you this. Did the credit card company actually have any harm themselves? Well, they, I, 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 know you're, I know where you're going with this. No, they, they didn't. Opinion. You go ahead. You, you say what you want to say, then I'll jump in. Okay. Well, in your opinion, did the credit card company, did they have any, did they have any right to really come back on you? Well... No, because there's okay. I mean, I can answer this two ways, um, and I'm going to write a book on, on the creditors because that's the hardest one to win, right? We all know that. Right. And the credit bureaus are easy because they never comply with the law, and I've had friends sue them over and over and over. You name of you know all all four bureaus, even the hidden one, Inovus, uh, which is also addressed in the book, but no. I just got sidetracked, Patricia. Well, okay. well, Marshall, here's the thing. I know people like when they declare bankruptcy, they they feel they feel really bad. You know, here they should pay these people, but I'm saying there wasn't any real money involved. They they actually made money on your signature. They should have paid you. You should have never had to pay for, you know, back loan one, as far as I can see. But yeah, know, that's another that's another point. That's a whole other point, and see, that's not what I even get into because I don't have to. 
but yeah, you're right. I, I know I, I that's what go right ahead. Okay. Uh, well, yeah. I just want to tell you, we've got a, uh, uh, Shelly Johnson from all talk radio is listening and she says, I want this guy. And I said, okay, give me a date. I'll confirm right. Um, June 22nd, Monday night, June 22nd on your schedule, Marshall. Cause, um, that's when you're going to be an all talk radio. She, she's got to hear this. Okay. Her, her audience wants it. So, oh, yeah, it's, you know what, when people read this book, they're going to be floored. What normally happens when they find this information is first they're shocked and then they're irate. Yeah. And that's exactly what happens to when they read it. I've had a couple of friends I've already given copies to here at the house, and they were they were just they couldn't believe what they were reading. And uh, and it just I want the reader to say, man, it's right. This is really this is real. And then they have the they have the power and the courage to go you know tackle these guys. But you know they can hire an attorney if they want. But they can show the look. Use these arguments right here. It's all you need. Yeah, yeah. Why hire an attorney? That that that's only saying to the court that you're an imbecile. Right. I I know you're. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I've never used one. Yeah. I can honestly say, if anybody wants to come forward and say, "Well, I've ever used an attorney," good luck finding one because you're not gonna. I've never done it for myself or any client I've ever helped. So I'm just saying, you and I have been doing this for a while. If they're skittish, you know. I would recommend the letter, the follow-up letter, the credit bureau letters. Try to get them to – they usually – oh, get this. this. I found this myself when I was writing my book. There are companies out there, Patricia, on the, on the internet that are looking for collection agencies to tell them who to avoid, whose door not to knock on. Whose mailbox you do not want to send a letter to? And guess who those people are? It's people like me. <laughs> yeah, what, 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 stay away from Marshall. They have a database that tells people do not contact these consumers it's because they you. sue people. It's going to cost you, right? It'll cost you money. So they have that going on now too. So, And in the FTC, uh, Federal Trade Commission's report, do you get this? And this, is, this isn't me talking. This is me quoting the FTC. If a debt collector has 100 debts and 100 people dispute them, only 2.9% of those are ever transferred to another debt collector, believe it or not, because you sent one letter out to, to argue with that debt collector, there's a 98.6% chance you'll never hear from anybody again. Wow. That's, that's yeah. worth it. <laughs> Just one letter. Yeah, that's amazing. You know, I got rid of I got rid of these people with one or two letters, and but I wish I'd known because now I know you can co- you can actually collect money on this. Yes, uh, and the book addresses how to stealthily go after these guys, and you can take them to court one violation at a time and cost <laughs> them a fortune, and they will kneel and they will see one of the most powerful documents in this book. It's called uh, a Settlement and Release of Liability Agreement. Have you heard of one of those? Yes. Okay. That is what you want them to do every time because it avoids litigation. It avoids the hassle of filing in court, spending the money to get into court, mm-hmm. having to answer all the discovery. It's a, it's not, it's a burdensome activity. Agreed? Oh, absolutely. Well, yeah, to file here in federal court is $450. Okay, it's $350 here, but it's, it's going up and... And, and that's another issue about isn't that kind of pushing court out of the poor people's hands? Isn't that a constitutional thing? Oh, anyway, well, absolutely. No, um, a sovereign, a sovereign 
you know, no flesh and blood person should have to pay to use the courts. It's it's ridiculous. Right. And they're raising the rates all the time to keep people out. That's my opinion. Oh, ex exactly. And then they let pro se people just languish for a while and stuff. It, it's bad. Hey, listen, everybody, I need to do a little station ID here. You're listening to Sacred Cow Barbecue on Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com. And I am thrilled to be talking to uh, to Marshall Schroeder today. This is we're, we're having a good time here. And you can listen anytime you want to Studio A by calling 712-432-6958 or Studio B where we are and where the cool people are. Just kidding. Uh, 716-748-0112. And you can call in anytime, 24-7, and you'll be hearing what's going on here. But uh, run over, get the archives, make a donation, do something to support the radio because we are not only listener-supported, we're volunteer-supported. Everybody here is a volunteer and we do it because we love freedom. So, Marshall, this is exciting news. What? Tell us some of your success stories with people actually receiving money. Like I told you about my friend in, in Arizona that's collected that collected twenty thousand dollars last year. Yeah, that's yeah. I, like I told you, that's a phenomenal amount because that's a cottage was, industry. Yeah, it, <laughs> I'm telling you, if there's people that get into this, and I've known a lot of them, and they just they they almost antagonize the debt collector to come after them. You know. They, they, they bait them. Like in my book, I discourage people from talking on the phone with debt collectors unless you know what you're doing because you're going to say things that are going to get you in trouble. And what normally happens, and we all, we all know this, it's human nature. When you get into a heated discussion, you say things you don't want to say. When you're sitting down and writing out what you want to say, it's methodical, it's analytical. You're sitting, you're thinking through, and you're doing what's right. And there's, a, just, and there's a delete key. <laughs> yeah, and it's just business, you know. Right. On a phone, it's often not just business, and and you can get into trouble because it's, and you don't want to go there. And why go through the you know annoyance and 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 the, and the, and being emotionally charged, you know, so right, no, raising, like, right, raising your blood pressure. Right. So I, I don't recommend it anymore. I mean, I, I would do it myself if I had any issues, but I don't recommend it. I say, don't, don't put yourself through that. You've been through enough already. This book is to help people who are just getting into the problem or been doing it for years. And I know they've bought stuff and they've read stuff and it didn't do anything. And uh, that's another horror story all by itself. So I almost felt like it was my duty to write this book. Just to, just to make up for all the all the scam artists that have just been oh you know charging people for things. I've, I've never read a book about it that I liked. Not not one. Oh my gosh, that's shocking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I always say with his, with his two gurus, there's three opinions. <laughs> and, and and that has to be totally the patriot movement. Everybody has a different idea and and saying, no, that won't work. This is what you should do and this and that. I mean, it, it's so confusing and muddled up. To have a book like yours is invaluable. Yeah, and I'm not teaching or writing things down that I read somewhere or someone told me. This is 15 years of doing it and making it work every time. So well, 15 years? Yeah. And well, you never my... charged anybody? Not, well, I didn't start helping people till about 10 years ago. And like I said, they were like my wife's friends who who had never dealt with it before. Number one, they had no money, no experience. They didn't know they were in like they were in tears most of the time they come over. And they didn't want to ask. They were embarrassed. You know, I mean, and you, your heart goes out, right? I mean What kind of loans and things can't be discharged? This you know, can't debt collectors 
Is it's, there any debt collector you can't get rid of? Unless they have, unless they are like in a real an assignee, like they were part of the deal somehow, you know, which I've never seen. So I don't know. I, I like to say I never met a debt collector I couldn't beat, but uh, I've never, I've never, I've never lost to one. Well, give, give me a for instance of an assignee situation. Well, if if they were somehow, it's like uh, an insurance company when they when you buy a house, they have an interest, you know, like or your car insurance company. If your car burns, they have a, you know, they're 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 involved with it from the beginning. So it's it's they would have a they would have a valid case because they're holding the bag, so to speak. So, but anybody else, not really. There's no, oh, you might have the same issue with. Uh, Government student loans yeah. or government-backed. If they're through a regular state bank, that applies as any other debt collection. Uh, or state people trying to collect on state taxes, they're still debt collectors. It applies to them as well. well it's pretty it's a, much. Hold on. Are you saying that this can apply to student loans? No, I'm saying. Yeah. Well, yes, some. I'm saying it can apply to to uh, state bank student loans, regular bank loans, yes. Okay, but, but now the government's taken those over and there's if, no way to default, there's no way to, I mean, you if, default, but there's no way to ever, you could, you'll die and still own those student loans. There's no way to BK them. I mean, it's, they're horrible. Yeah, you know, I've always wanted to take on a case like that because there's, there's some constitutionality that comes into play that says, you know, when there's legislation, you can't make a new law to, to supplant it. Like, for example, in my state, it's four years, SOL. You can't collect after four years have passed. And the feds come along and go, oh, yeah, but, but we're going to. It's, you know, it's a, it's a constitutional matter, really. It, it could be winnable, but how much time do you have? You know, so I, I know a lot. Of, you know, there's like a let – me, let me turn. I got a statistic on that. If I can find it, how much student debt there is. It's in the, it's in the billions. Okay, oh. here we go. Oh, yeah, There's, unbelievable. Th- this is going to floor you. And I, I put this in the book to help people understand where we're going. American consumers owe $11 trillion. That's not the, that's not the Fed. We owe $11 trillion. The average American family, no, 76% of American families are living paycheck to paycheck. 76% of Americans living paycheck to paycheck. What does that tell you? It's, it's, we're making bricks without straw. I mean, there's 50 it's million Americans on food stamps. 50 million. Well, here, here's another shocking statistic, and I heard this from uh, Paul Craig Roberts, so I think it's usually pretty on the money. He said 50% of all 25 year olds are living at home with their parents. Yes, that's yeah, I just saw that statistic myself just and, recently. And thirty yeah. percent of thirty-year-olds living at home. I mean, that's unheard of. I mean, you'd rather take a beating with a stick when I was twenty-five than to live with your parents. Everybody had a job and was making enough money. They keep saying, "Oh, yeah, it's getting better." Well, I haven't seen it get any better since two thousand eight. Yeah. So I don't know where they're getting these stats from. The only reason you don't see it is because, unlike the nineteen thirties breadlines, we get checks mailed to our houses today. Right. Or you'd or you'd see it in the streets every town you went to. People or people are off the have run out of unemployment and so they don't they're not on the rolls anymore, so that looks makes it look like unemployment is Oh I know. I, I hate the government's manipulation of statistics. That is the worst. I know. I know what you're saying. Yeah. 
and hence again why my, the price is so low because the people who need it most is who I've written the book for, not the elite, not some guy that you know runs a million dollars a weekend and then you know throws the cards away and f- files bankruptcy. And by the way, I do not recommend bankruptcy because you can beat these guys. Wow. What? Why would you want to? Why would you want to file bankruptcy and ruin your credit for another seven years, ten years, with all the other bad credit when you can take them on one at a time and get them out? I've helped people. This is, I, this is really, really true. Take people with those settlement and release of liability agreements. Let me tell you why I push them so hard and why it's the it's where I this book keeps trying to take the reader over and over again because it's so powerful. I almost want to mention the name of the company. The first one I went after is one of the biggest companies in America. And I took them to federal court. And here's, here's a number for you. Let's say you have 10 debt collectors after you, Patricia, 10. If you send this dispute letter that I have in this book, the, the, the template, you just change your personal stuff and send it off. Four of them are going to drop off right off the first letter. <laughs> now, if you have to send a second one, three more are going to drop off. So that leaves three out of ten. Now, of those last three, you you send them what's called a notice of pending lawsuit, which is also in the book. Here's what I'm going to do if you don't disappear. I'm going to sue you in federal court, and it goes on and tells you exactly what you're going to do to this guy or herself. Here's here's another option I'll, I'll throw at you. You can sign this release of liability, which you've already drafted. You send it with the pending lawsuit notice together. Pick one. Yeah, <laughs> take your and, pick. And usually they wind up signing a settlement agreement. They may want to change something and send it back for a revision, which is fine. But you want to sign that, and this is why. Not only does the debt go away. Let's say my first victim that I that I went after, I sued him in federal court. They forgave the twenty thousand dollars. They went into the credit report and removed the credit item from the credit report. And paid me money to leave them alone. That's what the settlement and release of liability agreement does. Can I ask how much? How much? Did I, I can't because. Okay. Well, you know, I guess I can because as long as I don't tell you who it was. Yeah, as long as you don't tell who. It was only three grand. It was my first. It was my first time. It was my first time. Hey, only three grand. Yeah. Uh, th- three grand takes care of a lot of things uh, during a month. Right, right. But by the way, I've kept all my – I have a little black book in my desk drawer where all my cases that I've I've won are in there, and it has the check, a copy of the check, the lawsuit. Most of them, by the way, here – and this is true too. And if I ever meet you in person, I'll be happy to show them to you. If you – if all the cases I've won, most of them were pre-litigation, and that's exactly what you want to do every time you can. Because they don't you want don't, to go to court either. They do not want, especially federal court. They got to hire a lawyer. That's those are the high priced lawyers. And if you owe three thousand, look, it's a, it's a, it's a what's called the law of diminishing returns. If if they are coming after you for two thousand dollars, they're going to pay that lawyer that much to show up in court every day. Right. Not to mention his letters, his drafting, his court documents, filing with the court. Those cases usually cost between fifteen and twenty five thousand dollars. Oh. Yeah, they don't want to be there. So you use all this numerical data. You know what it costs them. So you take them on. They want to see how far you're willing to go. I've, I'll put it to you this way. This is a fact, too. 
I've never had to go to discovery once. It never went that far. As soon as the judge is ready to hit that thing and say, okay, we're going to discovery, I've had phone calls the same day that morning and said, settle, 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 settle. <laughs> On the courthouse steps. That's and they send it, they fax it right to the judge that both parties have reached an agreement and we're doing a release of liability agreement and it's done. I've, and, and the people that I've helped and, and, and associates that I have that, are, that do what I do, same thing. Uh, a friend of mine here in, the, in in Skype is saying they always make you sign a gag order not to tell the name. <laughs> She's laughing. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 in the agreement, you know. But listen, and this is true, people. A victory is a victory any way you slice it. You don't have to win the court case. Yeah, having it dismissed and getting a check and the debt forgiven and the credit report expunged is the victory. Well, you don't know, sometimes worry about how you got it. It sometimes takes a month or six weeks to be able to uh, proceed um, in, in form of papyrus, you know, with, without paying. And nobody should have to pay to go to court, but th that's what they're doing. And so you can file for free. Just that's gotta... also in the book, Patricia. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, address, I address that whole issue in detail. Okay, I'll take 10 copies, please. <laughs> <laughs> I got my, that's my Christmas shop and it's done. Okay, yeah, cool. I mean... I try to make it as painless as possible. All you got to do is put your eyes on the paper and read, and, and you'll you'll understand it. Wow, that's awesome. So, so what can someone do? Okay, L let's talk about my, my. I'll get some free advice here. I've got. I haven't looked at my credit report. Haven't looked at it, but okay. I, I know those collection things are probably still on there. Yep. Time and to so, get them out. And so, does your book? I know it's not quite addressing that, but is it addressing that? Can I? It, yeah, because you're you're as part of your. Listen, this is, this is all about paper and evidence. Right. Everything we send out, or my readers are going to send out because I tell them to do, do it this way. It actually tells you, get your credit report first, get a marker, a pen, a mark, whatever you got, and mark it up. Go to town. Anything you don't like is incorrect, wrong, outdated, everything. Then you sit down and start making a list. And whoever – Generally, whoever is the most recent uh, activities, what you want to go after first because it has the most impact on your credit score. Well, in this impact on your credit score, mm -hmm. it can cost you. I mean, if you go out to buy a car, and cost you a fortune. Cost you a fortune by having any DROG. If you go out to buy a house, get a mortgage, those DROGs cost a fortune. Yep. In interest because it ups your uh, it it ups your uh, the percent that they they want to charge you in usury. That's why they that's why when you dispute with a debt collector or, or and a creditor, so like you said, it applies both sides. Anybody who's in that credit report is under the FCRA, which is the Fair Credit Reporting Act, and they are they have to comply with the mandate, you know, the act. So when you dispute. By law, they cannot continue to report that item in your credit report unless they add the words disputed by consumer, and they do not want to do it because they know that it takes all the air out of their derogatory comment because it's in dispute. Now, when a creditor, when someone you're trying to get a loan from looks at it, they don't know which way, to, which way do you go. It's in there, but it's disputed. So... And that's why most of them won't do it. 
I use the old kitchen sink philosophy when I go after a debt collector. I'm contacting the attorney general's office in my state and their state. I'm contacting the Federal Trade Commission and filing a formal report. I mean, I'm lighting every fire I can light, and they're not going to want to ever hear from me again. Listen, they don't want the trouble people. They want the victims who don't respond, don't answer their phones, don't show up in court because they get that's where the money is at. Default judgments. Ooh. That is where the money is at. And they don't that's why they have companies telling them who not to mess with. They don't want to lose money. Why would they want to fight me? <laughs> or anybody else who's won before. Who's gonna or, who's gonna stand up to them? Okay. And not and not you don't even have to win. Just getting them in there, they they're losing money. Okay, this book is obviously affordable to anybody. Save up if you have to. Put cigarettes for, for a week. I mean, go don't Go out for coffee for two weeks. I mean, you, you, everybody can afford thirty dollars. I mean, that that's like nonsense. Yeah, I couldn't make it any cheaper because it's such a big book and it's eight by eleven. It's made to study. Yeah, it's, it's made, a study guide. Okay, but made to study. I'm a person of average intelligence. Am I going to be able to get through this? Any anybody can read. I I made it. I I almost said a phrase I should shouldn't have said. You know the phrase we use: idiot proof. Idiot proof. But it's it's made for any. I didn't use a lot of big words. I you know it's it's made for anybody to understand, and that's why I take an item, a, a topic, and then I take it apart. I put a dispute letter, for example, is a perfect example. The dispute letter you send out to any debt collector, you fire them out in rapid succession, send one to everyone. That letter, after it's in the book, goes. Paragraph by paragraph telling you why it's in there and why it's so powerful so that when you are done reading that section on that, on that letter, you know exactly why it works. You know what I know. So it's not just here's a letter, mail it out, which is what most books would have. Here's a letter. Just send it. Right? You, I mean, you, you, know, seen... you know what someone needs to do? They need to open up a little storefront and call it uh, get rid of debt collectors or, or, or win against debt collectors for, for dummies or, or whatever they want to call that and have people that just know your book and sit there and just charge people to come in and do this stuff for them. I'm sure there would be a line at the door. I had a person approach me a couple of years ago who wanted to set up an office right here where I'm at to, 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 do, to do that for people. And you're listening to Sacred Cow Barbecue on Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com. Marshall, are you back with me? You, you could have said goodbye if we I know. You hung up I, on me. See how I am. I get mad and hang up. <laughs> what did I say? <laughs> no, we you charge too much. I'm hanging up the phone. Well, you know, sometimes. Well, you know, some people I get hacked uh, when they're putting out information that some people don't want uh, other people to hear. We get uh, like this. So, um, that this it's it's a re- actually a compliment that that happened. So just well, good. Yeah. <laughs> I think it is a you know people have been telling me, are you sure you want to put that kind of information out? Won't you be a target? I don't care. Yeah, you don't care. I don't care. So, I, I, you know what I wanted to call the book "Blowing the Lid Off the Debt Collection Racket." That's the name I really wanted to, to to use, but it wouldn't it wouldn't have spoken to the people who need it. So, right, I didn't use that name, but that's exactly what it does. Well, it well, tells okay, you we'll, what. We'll to, use that for the subtitle. I'm I'm all in. That's true. I should maybe maybe I will do that because I haven't. It's it's in the publishers in the review now, so I could add it on there. Yeah, that would be great. Add it on because okay. it, it it's that's. A really good, you know, yeah. catchphrase there. I like it. Yeah. How much of a problem? What happens to people when they don't respond? They get these default judgments. What's the worst case scenario? 
Well, there's a judge in New York. Uh, oh, boy, I just forgot his name. Judge, anyway, in a city who says he sees 100 of these cases a day, and 95% of them have no documents to, to, to prove that they have a right to collect the debt. That's a judge. 100 a day. That's one courthouse. How okay, many so, courthouses? So somebody should stand outside the courthouse with your book. <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah, I tell you what, just showing up and standing at, the, at your little position there greatly increases your chances of winning because, believe it or not, and, and I, I, do, I do get into this in the book, and I, this, is, this is the problem I have, Patricia. When you, when you know so many tricks and, and you know what works and you know what they do, how devious they are, it's, it's, you want to get those things in there because you want people to know what to expect. Like, for example, and I know you've probably been over this before in your Patriot stuff and all your other background of law, is that lawyers can't testify. And yet you sit down in the courtroom for, for an eight-hour day. Who's winning the case? Where's the witness? They're not there. The, the, the lawyer gets up and says, Your Honor, Patricia here uh, took a credit card out uh, eight years ago from my client. She didn't make payments. She defaulted on the debt. We're here to collect. What did he just do? He just testified. Testified against me. He testified as if he actually knows something about it. He knows nothing. Yeah. Nothing. He's reading something that someone gave him. What's that called? It's hearsay. Hearsay. (laughs) So I tell you what to do with those guys when you're standing there in court and say, excuse me, Your Honor, you know, this guy's is he a lawyer or is he a witness? He's testifying, and I've included in my book under that topic where it addresses lawyers testifying, five Supreme Court cases, not not state court cases, not even appellate court, Supreme Court cases. Lawyers cannot testify, period, and there are some huge cases in there that the, the you know, uh, one of them was a, a bunch of telecommunications companies were at war for years in a case. And believe it or not, when the end, when all the dust settled, there wasn't one witness that testified. There was nothing on the record but a bunch of counsel's mouths flapping. And the case was thrown out after years and millions of dollars were spent. These guys are not as bright as you think. They're not as bright. Don't give them too much credit. Yeah, exactly. You really don't have to be, have that much information to be smarter than them about this. You just have to know how to answer and how not to answer. I have no documented evidence. How simple is that? Anybody can say that. Yeah, I, I got that already. Did Listen, you, Marshall, we're, com- we're coming up on a break, so I want you before the break to put out your website again. And, and today is, is May 19th, and this book is not going to be available till probably May 26th, like a week from now or the Correct. end of this week. Correct. And so when you go to this website, don't go, well, there's nothing there. I can't order the book. No, we understand that. It will be on the website when it is available probably at the end of this week or the beginning of next week. So go ahead and give the website again. It's Debt Collector Eradicator, all one word, dot com. Okay. Debt Collector Eradicator. And what bookseller can they get it from as well? It'll be available at the book patch. That's going to be the publisher of it. Okay, the book patch. Okay, very Bookpatch.com, yeah. Bookpatch.com. Okay, very good. Well, uh, we're, we're going to continue this conversation because I know there are people just dying to get into it right now. I'm just getting started, <laughs> Patricia. <laughs> Great. Uh, I'll, I'll bring Chris in. Tell me a little bit how this happened. I mean, you came, I guess, because of your interest in the Patriot movement. What got you into that? Well, 
what got me into that was 2008. I myself had excellent credit all my life. I, in fact, when I when I first came here, I was working in New Jersey, across the river from right across from New York. I went to buy a truck, a Denali, and the dealer pulled up a, a SUV and a Denali pickup truck. Says you want them both? That's what kind of credit I had. <laughs> yeah, I didn't buy them both. Eight hundred, huh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, but the point was that was what my credit was like. When the, when that when that when the World Trade Center uh, went down here in New York, and I, and I actually watched that building fall with my own eyes, the economy just disappeared here in New Jersey, here in New Jersey and New York. It just and it, it hadn't, hasn't come back. Yeah, it, it took um, a massive hit when I was in Hawaii too at the, that time. Yeah, so uh, it led to me missing payments on bills, and I had to deal with the issue of repairing my credit. So I. Being the way that I am, and I had already been hardened and conditioned through you know, the Patriot stuff and reading and knowing how to be tough as nails and fight, I started researching consumer rights. I started reading and taking apart the FDCPA and the FCRA. Then I went to the state law and took that apart. And I said, well, wait a minute here. Man, there's a lot of tools here for people to use if they just knew where to find them and how to implement them. Well, here they are. They're all in one place. Back after the break with Marshall Schroeder, everybody. Thank you. Welcome back to Sacred Cow Barbecue. I'm your host, Patricia Aiken, and I'm having just a great conversation with Marshall Schroeder, who's written a barn burner of a book. I can tell it's going to go far and wide just because of what my my Skype's doing here. I, I didn't even haven't even had a chance to look at the at the chat room, and I'll run over there and see if anybody's got questions over there. But uh, Marshall, welcome back. Thank you. And, uh, happy, and, and happy to be here, Patricia. Well, thanks. We're so happy that you put the time in and dug deep to, to write this book so you can help more people because you, you see the tremendous need there is to fight this fraud. So I think it's we, our hats are off here. And I want to welcome uh, my friend, Common Law Chris. Uh, he's been chomping at the bit since he got my email this morning to get in on this conversation. Welcome, Chris. Oh, I thank you so much for the blessing of letting me come on with you and Marshall. Okay, listen, um, you, you guys, you guys continue to talk, and uh, but Marshall, I wanted to follow up. I wanted to, at the break we were talking about how you got involved in the Patriot movement, and like when you saw the twin towers fall, did you think, oh, a plane did that, a fire, or did you think controlled demolition? No, because I was actually on a electrical project at the Newark Airport on a roof. And we, we all watched the second plane bank and bank and bank and slam. And we, with our, we watched the second plane curve around. And so we knew before the news, was, were, the news for about five minutes after it hit was uh, talking about what, if it was a double accident. They didn't know what was going on. Well, with a, with a bird's eye view, we knew exactly what had happened. We knew it was terrorists. So I, I had a very unique uh, advantage that day being where I was and watching it happen with my own eyes. Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll have to share some information on that sometime. Yeah. So, so you became a patriot. You were involved in the patriot movement. And yep. so you started studying the law. Now, Chris knows where that leads. And, mm. uh, and this brought you to this. And when you had to repair your own credit report, were, were you shocked at what you were finding in the law? I was shocked and grateful because Congress provided the tools. Now, as you and I both know, and I'm sure, Chris, I, I don't even know who your background is, Chris. I'm, I'm sorry. But if, if it's a legal one, then you, then you know what I'm about to say. 
I have to be 10 times better than the other guy to win my case. There are no scales of justice. It's unfair. It's loaded against you. But somehow, if you do it right and smart and you don't try to bring in too much mud, you can prevail. I've done it over and over and over again. But it's not a fair shake by any imagination. I've never said that. Well, you know, Marshall, you and I hadn't spoken just to just a moment before we were on the air here together. Right. I, too, I'm a politically assassinated union electrician out here in Las Vegas from whistleblowing. But I, too, am very studied in this debt collection law and many other aspects of law also. What's your book, brother? Uh, 357. I'm 164, New Jersey. <laughs> We're brothers. Well, I pretty, yeah, we are brothers from another mother. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I was on top of the Newark airport. I was redoing the airport when that plane, when the, both those planes hit that day. Wow! Yeah, uh, like you, I was I was watching that on the news that morning, and I told my sweetheart something's way wrong. Those planes should not be in that airspace. Those type of planes, it's no. something regular, and they didn't yeah. respond. So I knew something was way. Well, I, well, you know what, gentlemen? We're going to have to have another show on this because I completely disagree that it was the planes that brought those down. <laughs> oh, absolutely. That's very good, Patricia. Touche. <laughs> I am having fun. Okay, cool. Yeah, this is good fun. So so that was well, you started studying, and then you yeah. started helping folks. Now, Chris, uh, I know you go to court with people all the time, and it's and it, yep. in a fair shake. And so Marshall's your strategy here, Marshall, if I'm hearing you right, is you just hit them with everything. You just throw the kitchen sink at them. I make it so painful that they, 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 all they want to do is cry uncle because I know what it costs them. I know how to beat them. I, I mean, I've been doing it for so long now, it's, it's a game. And, uh, and when you're helping somebody else, huh? go ahead, Chris. <laughs> I'd like to phrase it as paper ping pong, precisely. Well, that's why I like federal courts, a paper war. You know, it's not like Barney Fife in court in a local courthouse. You file something, they file something. You file something, they, it's easy. Well, and in the federal courts, as you observe, these are federal laws in most cases. There are state laws that are very um, replicative or maybe mirror the federal laws, but the federal laws are set forth by the power of Congress as public policy acts to present consumers from being victimized by third-party predatory debt collectors who would prey on what they term the least sophisticated of the people. Correct. Yep. Well, the, also, well, well the government doesn't like any competition. If they, When they want to create victims, it, that's good for them. They just don't want anybody else doing it. Well, Chris, you'll like this. I've had pe people that I've helped go to court, right, and I've done their paperwork. They'll get in there and after the court, after they've won, the judge will ask them, "Can I have that paperwork? Because my son's got a debt collector chasing him." I, I, I'm not kidding. The judges asked that. Asked for the paperwork because his son was having a problem. <laughs> yes, he loved it. He absolutely loved it. So, you know, which which kind of shocked me, but it was a nice little pat on the back. You know, to make my paperwork. Well, well, I was getting ready for you to come on here. Marshall, I, I looked up something real quick, and it's really fresh from the Federal Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, Richard Cordray's office, and he says about student debt collection, 
that the average balance of a borrower graduating is twenty nine thousand three hundred eighty four. Yeah, that's in my book. That's right. That's what I have. Forty million borrowers of student loan debt. Mm -hmm. 110 billion, the total volume of student loan debt in default. 129 billion in forbearance. (laughs) When they say forbearance or default, that means that they've likely already been satisfied, set off, discharged, or had insurances paid to cover their losses, and thereby they've probably made more unjust enrichment by selling it to third-party debt collectors for debt collection. What only do you in, think? Only in America, Chris. Only in America. <laughs> well, and, and, and who did they learn this from? Who spends more money than anybody on the planet and never pays their bills? Our Congress. They, oh, absolutely. They, and exempt them. And exempt themselves from all the laws they try to hold us to. That's uh, yeah. quite unlawful. Well, that's the irony, isn't it? They want to hold our feet to the fire while they're blowing trillions and trillions a year that they know they can't pay back, but they're going to hold me and, and, and Chris accountable. Okay. Well, you know, while we're on this student debt thing, Chris, that video that you sent me from, from YouTube about the college scam was really enlightening. It was an hour well spent to watch that. If, and if you well, can remember the, the exact name of it, or I'll go to YouTube and, and, and put that out to people because that was worth seeing how little a college education is really worth. People are going into debt that they never get out of in most cases. And when they could actually be working and buying, buying silver and gold and having some real money at the end of four years, instead of all that debt. Well, I I don't discount the value of college for specific interest, but if you don't have a defined purpose for going, you're merely lining the pockets of those professional educators who really are more interested in their own lifestyles than in teaching you anything. And likely what they teach you, like the song Kodachrome, when I think back of all the crap I learned in high school, it's a wonder I can think at all. Oh, it's actually just higher indoctrination. That's, and, it's that's, only, and it's only gotten worse, Chris, since you or I were in school. Yep, and me, right, exactly. Well, I, I wasn't going to add you, Patricia. Uh, hey, I'm, I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> so, Marshall, tell me, tell me something – Tell me another story about a win that someone had that in how much debt they had that you were able to get the debt collector off their back. Well, believe it or not, I actually remember the first person I ever helped because it was a tragic – I mean, I felt so bad. There's a, a couple that my wife knew in Newark, New Jersey. They didn't have they didn't have money to even send a letter almost, let alone fight it in court. And they, were, and they had gotten a judgment against them. So now they were really on the ropes. And – and, and unfortunately, most people that I have helped over the years, not lately, but in the beginning, they were already in trouble. They were already had a judgment against them or, you know, they were, they had like five days to respond, you know. I mean, it was like, you know, great. Now I got, now I got, now I'm under the gun on top of everything else. But they were in a bad, bad spot. And I, so I, I said, what am I going to do? I mean, they got like three days to answer this thing. And, and, uh, oh, huh? I'm laughing because that's the way it always is. It that's is, the right? point, Marshall. If you yeah. don't buy anyone, that is a perfect case for why people should buy your book because $30 is a small price. I can tell you already for the information you provided. The figure it's like insurance because it's better to be prepared to know beforehand and take know what measures to take when you get that first letter 
instead of waiting until you go into summary judgment or debt collection or having your house stolen or whatever it is to start fighting and well, start developing your evidence. You're right. I was telling Patricia, and I just I checked my numbers here, and they were right. I got the Federal Trade Commission report right in front of me. Consumers only disputed 3.2% of all debt. Oh, and on top of that, only 4% ever fight the debt collector. Most of them walk away, give up, and yeah. walk away getting keys or a little bit of cash for what all the best that they put in their home for years, and they never fight. And that's why it's so easy for debt collectors to prey upon the least sophisticated. Well, that's why when I get this book out, that's why I made it affordable, because the more of us that get on them, you know, it's, it's, I was telling uh, Patricia, it's a racket. It's not a business. It's a racket. They're stealing money. They know what they're doing. The courts know what they're doing. You know, and certain judges, every once in a while, will speak up like the one I referred to in New York, who's quoted in my book. But they have hundreds of cases a day, and no one shows up. They get default judgments just handed to them. They actually file hundreds of cases at a time. Do they really oh, expect absolutely. to do they really expect to defend every one of those cases? No. They know they want to fight maybe one person. They have, for, they have foreclosure mills or factories. There's two cases I can give you right now. Uh, CFP, CFPB versus Morgan Drexen and the Consumer, uh, see the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau or the FTC versus Flagstar. And these are where they have foreclosure mills. They have maybe one attorney somewhere. They call them accommodation attorneys or network attorneys <laughs> that have about a minute to sign the paperwork and have non-attorneys prepare the paperwork for these lawsuits because they're all founded on nothing but just the sophisticated dream that they can dupe you into paying a debt that you don't owe. I got I got one better than that. I got I've got I've got video of a law firm in Pennsylvania video testimony saying on 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 the video, yes, we had our secretaries draft the lawsuits and file them. Well, in Pennsylvania, that's called uh, uh, the unlawful practice of law. Yeah, that's you. Yeah, a lawyer in Pennsylvania filed suit against every clerk in that office for the well, unlawful practice. You're mentioning in New York, Eric Schneiderman, the attorney general there, recently brought charges against either B of A or maybe um, J.D. Morgan Chase for running a document manufacturing mill where they were fabricating the documents to support their phony foreclosures. They do that all the time by the hundreds of thousands a year. You're right. And they had a lady down in Virginia who had died seven years earlier who somehow is still notarizing the, 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 the law firm's documents for seven years after she was dead. That's talented. That is really talented. She's, she's gifted. She's just, <laughs> hope she's making a little bit of money on the side, you know. But oh. that's the kind of stuff that we're up against. And that's well, speaking why you have of, to... Go ahead. Oh, speaking of money on the side, Marshall, you know that for violating the FDCPA, the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act, Title 15, United States Code 1692 at the FCRA, the Federal the Fair Credit Reporting Act, mm -hmm. 1691, uh, Title 15, and then there's also the Telephone Call Protection Act, Which is and great. all those acts provide violations that can be achieved by people who protect their interest under these acts of Congress 
that have financial violation fines that can be forced to be paid by these debt collector monsters that steal your money and your life if you let them. And people can receive fairly sizable sums from those settlements that you were speaking of before. Well, that Telephone Act is one of my favorites because that's big money. Every phone call, $1,500 minimum, sometimes 2500 And that's so all they have to do is just document when they get those phone calls, whether they answer it or not, just that they... Just keep, just keep your phone bills, underline their number every time they call. And those things, I've seen people win hundreds of thousands on those. And that's just statutory. Hundreds of thousands? That, that, and that's the statutory portion. That's not punitive or compensatory. Oh, absolutely. And and the, under your state law is where you go after them for, for, for punitive damages, not FTCPA. That's only statutory. So if you sue with a combination of federal and state law on the same suit, the federal court will hear it. It's called concurrent jurisdiction because if they're hearing one matter, they can now hear the other matter, and that's where the big I can I've got sites all over multi multiple multiple million dollar lawsuits for punitive on these collection acts. Oh, absolutely! In fact, I, I go on several calls. There's one tonight that I go on that uh, well, that's what they do is hold debt collectors accountable, and they teach people how to do it. They charge for their site, but you can listen in for free. But right. more importantly, I wanted to tell you there's a case that you'll want to look at specifically. It's called U.S. versus the Consumer Re- Commercial Recovery Services, 15 Charlie Victor 36 as the case number. Mm-hmm. And it's a Federal Trade Commission case, and under the Title 45M of the Federal Trade Commission, of their version of the FDCPA, they go back five years and $16,000 per violation yes, as yes. opposed to $1,000. Yeah, on their end, they, can, yeah, they, they have the real hefty fines at the FTC. Right, yeah. well, well, Marshall, tell me, what is the most amount of money that anyone that you personally work with has ever recovered as, a, as an individual on this? See, the, the largest is only about 10000 but that's because it's just the basics. Yeah. If most people, most people, and, and, and I need to say this, most people just want to make it go away, okay? I, I've had so many people, they started out gung-ho, I'm going to go after them, I'm going to, you know, and I don't care, whatever they want to do is fine. But after they get them off their back, most of them just, they're, they're, they just let go. They're just so happy, so relieved to have them off their back, they're done. How long after you've gotten them off your back do you have to uh, to move forward for uh, you know damages. Well, you only have a year to file under the FTC FTCPA. You have two years under the FCRA. The the real question is, I'm sure that my brother Chris here is, knows about this too. Is that you know most law is that when the when the when the uh, air, when the uh, injury is discovered, the clock usually starts. That's you know called the saying? time bar or the time toll. And you're yes. exactly right. Once you, you can't know what you don't know until you discover the criminality right. and the fraud of the action. That's when the count on the time bar starts. So I encourage people to go at, go after them anyway and use that as in, in their in their in their in their, uh, in their paperwork to show that they just discovered it. So now the clock starts. I'm trying to talk in very common terms too, Chris, because I know I tried to make my book that way too, so they could understand what I was trying to say, but. So technically, whenever you find it, you can still go after them. 
but it's try, it's good to try to stay in that time frame, because then you have no problem, you know. Smooth sailing. Yeah. Mark, but, uh, I'm gonna. I'm, I just got to do a little station ID here. You're listening to Sacred Cow Barbecue. My guest today, I'm Marshall Schroeder, and Common Law Chris has has joined us here in the second hour. Uh, a law dog that I know, and we are um, having a good time just discussing this. Hey, but while you're here, why don't you run over and um, and make a donation? We're we're listener and volunteer supported. So run over and make a donation at freedomsplits.com. Buy some of the cool stuff they've got there. They've got these great seed packages and get get the archive. It's about five or six bucks a month to be able to listen to all the shows. And we got great programming like this. Maybe not as good as this today, but pretty <laughs> pretty darn close. <laughs> it's gonna be hard to beat us, I'm telling you. <laughs> that's right. Chris, Chris and I are rocking here. That's right. Gonna be hard to beat this one today. Gonna be uh, you know, tough to follow, Marshall. You know, you know, when you ask me that question, where, why all the reasons why it's it's a fraud? Do you know that the you know, this is I I try to use the best information I can find to put in my book, and what I'm telling you right now is the FTC information. So it's Chris and I both know it doesn't get any better than that, because they're the guardian at the gate, and they the average payment on a debt is four cents on the dollar. Believe it or not, that's what the debt collectors pay to buy the debt. Yep. And that's because the people they bought it from have already had their losses, supposedly, satisfied, set off, discharged, or otherwise made whole, and they're just selling it for whatever else. They can increase their profits on the loan, what they never really made, as you mentioned before, because of what's called a table-funded loan or high profitation. Basically, they created out of thin air and do an accounting transaction usually on double sets of books, and then you're actually the signatory that is the person whose signature is signed and sold to the uh, the company that buys it to fund the loan. So you're really the creditor for the loan, and they act like the creditor instead of you. Yeah, you're always the creditor. You're always the <laughs> creditor. Yep. So four cents in the dollar, but when they come knocking on your door, they want the full amount that the other person wanted. That's called fraud. They can only, not to mention the fact that they have no, they're a stranger to the transaction and a mere volunteer, and they can't go buy your debt and now claim injury. It is a fraud. They're basically Every, a third-party uh, interloper then. They are. Well, they're they're that, interloper. A trespasser. That's what I always tell people. There can only be two authentic parties in a contract. And those are called the original uh, parties to the contract. There should have been a notary there. But anybody else that comes into that transaction that claims that they had an interest in the transaction is an interloper, a trespasser, a claim jumper. And they really have no right title or interest whatsoever to bring the case related to that contract. And this is what people are, this, is, this is what people are suffering under, and that's why it pisses me off. I'm sorry. That people are go that are put through the ringer, their families are destroyed because some guy bought their debt and has no right to do it, and they'll do whatever it takes to get money out of them. People, it doesn't it doesn't phase these people at all? Yeah, the harassment is amazing. Yeah, so that's well, why I wrote. This. Go ahead, go ahead, Chris. In all transparency, I'll share that I have a live place in K and play at the federal courts against J.P. Morgan Chase banks and two of their pretender attorney debt collectors, and I think one of the attorneys is actually the one who's playing like they're J.P. Morgan Chase because they're an ex-VP from Chase Bank, in fact, 
And I've got them on a multiple of the, like you say, Fair Debt Collection Practices Act, but I'm also bringing 19, Title 18-1964 Parenthetical Capital C civil RICO or racketeering charges against them. That's the best suit there is. It invokes Axio Trimetus Causa or treble damages. Yeah, yeah. RICO's the best thing you could ever file, man. I guess the bill's ringing everywhere immediately. Except when it's the government doing it. Well, <laughs> well yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, they, they get a license to steal. And they, they use it liberally. Yeah, they just <laughs> do it for entertainment value. <laughs> yeah. This is the only country on earth that the currency is based upon, and we print it as fast as we can. There should never have been a tax in this country ever. You know why? Because they don't need it. They print money freely. Why is there a tax? It's all for control. It, That's all it's for. And, and just to keep the slaves in their place. And, and we're paying, what, what's Tax Freedom Day? It's it's well into May now, I believe. People well, that was 15 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, what is it now? Anybody know? I don't know. It's it's, uh, it's a lot, and that's just the. Gotta one. have income to know what it is. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. And you and hopefully our listeners all know what income is and what income isn't. So and also who's liable for for income tax. So that's uh, 83A, and we thank Dave Merlin for his research on that, don't we? Yes, we do. Uh-huh. Yeah, awesome. You know, that's, one that's of the most important things that I can share with people, I think you'll concur with me, Marshall, is that anytime you get a communication or a letter trying to collect a debt, you always want to save the envelope and the paper. You can make a copy on it to make notes on, but you never want to damage that because that becomes evidence to use in court. And if you put marks or staples or anything else in it, then you damage it, it loses its credibility for evidentiary purposes. Right. That's the uh, one of the first chapters in my book is called Proper Record Keeping. I tell them exactly oh, yeah. what to because and how yeah. to do it because it's that's your that's your case. Okay. I can't wait to get your book. I, I go through everything. I try to make it like they can't they can't mess up. It's just, you know, so, uh, yeah, I cover all the important things anyway. I, I, that's why the book's so darn big, and I couldn't put all three topics together with creditors and the credit bureaus. But that's going to be a great book when I get that one done. I can't wait. Okay, Chris, I'm going to um, I'm gonna ask you, how many hours have you put into studying this debt collection stuff, do you think? More than I can count. You know, I've been studying law. I, I got – I beat zone Nazis in Arizona back in 2002 or three, uh, where they tried to accuse me of being a public nuisance, and I beat them in Federal Circuit Court of Appeals on international law of treaties. Congratulations. Uh, private grants of land-made patent and constitutional diversity of citizenship. They were trying to extort $10,000 out of me for enjoying my private rights to build on private property. That's what the zone Nazis do. In fact, I just had a letter from a zone Nazi in Oklahoma City on some land I had there, and I sent him a nice letter to validate their claim and proof where they got the warrant to search my property to issue the notice in the first place, signed by a judge with an affidavit in support uh, to make sure that the person that was making the claim would take responsibility for the allegations they were making. Yeah. Well, well, Chris, here, I got, I got something. Well, two things. One, I think you need to rephrase your terminology and have it be zone Bolsheviks 
<laughs> okay, that, that that's what I think. That's the first one. But number two, so you the, the hours that you put into studying this debt collection thing, if you had a book for, for $30 it, that just walked you through every single step, would that be the best money you could have ever spent? Uh, this book that Marshall's talking about, I can tell you from listening to Marshall, he has done his homework, and anybody that can pick up that type of resource for that little amount of money, it's money well spent, and it will pay you back multi times over. If you wanted to set up a cottage industry, you could probably do so with the information Marshall has in his book. And maybe he and I can ally together and work on his next book together, and I can be a co-contributor because I, too, do a lot of it pro bono for the public benefit, although we're always glad to accept contributions, gifts, or donations for our efforts. Yeah, I I just want I want the people who need it most to get it, and I I couldn't think of any other way to do it but that. So, and like you said, we got thousands and th- tens of thousands of hours. Of, I've I've read more law cases than I can shake a stick at to find one paragraph or one line I needed. You know, right, Chris? <laughs> oh, uh, my friends uh, at Maxim Labs and Project Green Life with with Daniel Smith. I I read I read every line of that stuff. It's unbelievable how much you have to wade through and how corrupt the courts are. So the fact that you have got it so, you know, because if the courts could dismiss you, they would. Sure they would. Absolutely. They want, they want to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know what? I have, I have to say, though, I have seen judges that were delighted or almost tickled pink to see a debt collector get his, you know, butt, butt kicks. Yeah, his butt <laughs> kicks, you know. I mean, they're up there. You can see them giggling, you know. I mean, I, I've seen it. And then I've, I've had lawyers like curse me after a case and I haven't thanked me said you really know what you're doing. So it's, you know, you don't need it, but it's, it's just weird to see how you're, I, I tell you what my favorite thing is, is being deposed. And I might write a little bit of a, a little book on that small one, like how to handle yourself, walk in there. Like you own the place. How you doing? I'm shaking their hands. I'm all excited. It just takes a steam right out of their whole, their whole show. They're, 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 they're their jaws on the floor the whole time. Like, what, what's this guy doing? He's not even, he's not even nervous. It's, you just take control of that thing, and it totally blows the wind right out of their sails. It's, it's fantastic. Oh, that's great. You know, the person that, that introduced us is our friend Chris Chapman, and I, I don't think there's a day that goes by that I don't think of his, his response when the IRS, and he had just gotten out of the shower, and they said, may we come in? And he said, of course you can't come in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. He says, but if you'll give me 20 minutes, I'll I'll come outside and meet you. So I just know when he got in front of the grand jury. Oh my gosh, the IRS person, you know, uh, prosecutor yeah. just had his head in his hands when when Chris got started. <laughs> so this is a mistake. There you go, little chappy. Yeah. Well, that's that's what, that's Daniel Smith's problem. That uh, they they held at least one grand jury before that refused to indict him, possibly two. And then on the third one, he made a request to go in and say, I'd be happy to answer all their questions. And the prosecutor lied. They said, oh, he just wants to read a statement where he can show that he absolutely agreed to come in and answer any question they might have. And so this thing that he's going through is just been corruption from, from day one. It's it's unbelievable. And well, I also, tried to, I also tried to help the people with the uh... – Showing them the weaknesses in the FDCPA, like uh, I'm sure Chris knows, the validation of debts. 
it's almost a pointless section of the FDCPA because it doesn't describe what they have to show you. For they, all I have to say is, yeah, it's valid. That's pretty much what they're required to do. But then I teach them that may be true under the FDCPA, but when you get to court, it's a whole different animal. Now it's evidence, evidence. You know, you can't just say, well, I, it, the whole the whole ball game changes, and that's why you're building up your documentation prior to court if you decide to try to go there or whatever. But so I also try to show them where it's weak, but it's actually a blessing in disguise because the debt collector often thinks that's all it's required, period. And it's oh, not when you get to court. Many of the debt collectors and the attorneys that debt collect also will try to convince the victims out there that they can't be held accountable using old law. But under Heinz v. Jenkins, it tells right. you specifically if they act like a debt collector or they function as a debt collector, as little as 4% of the time, they are a debt collector. Now, 1% is not necessarily meaning that, but 4% or more, they're definitely a debt collector. So it's, they can't yeah. wiggle out of that stuff. There's lots of case law to support attorneys are debt collectors if they collect debts. Yeah, that was more common years ago. That's pretty rare getting off of it now. You know, it's like you said, it's the courts have ruled so much in that, on that topic now that they have a hard time wiggling out of that one anymore. But that was a big loophole for a while, just like the lawyers claiming they have a bona fide, bona fide error defense. Yeah, bona fide error. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, well, they the, always try the 12B6 you, and the first thing, that's the first thing you have to overcome, is where they try to claim you fail a state of crime uh, for which you yeah. can be granted. Yeah, well, and then there's plenty of law to, to beat that, and I'm sure you probably addressed that one in your book. Yeah, that's just that, that's the first thing they pull out of the gate. That's like, you know... If you if you scrape your knee, you're gonna, put, you're gonna go try to find a band-aid somewhere. So yeah, yeah, that's that's another a common uh, tactic. But the Supreme Court ruled recently on that bona fide error defense that it's only applicable. It's not applicable to mistakes they make, clerical issues only. If they make an issue of law, it's on them. Oh, well, that's that's excellent. So if it was just a typo or something that the clerk made, that's one thing. But if they're if they're just barking up the wrong tree out of error. Yep. It doesn't apply to them. Excellent. It doesn't apply to them. Well, officers of the court are presumed and assumed not only to know the law, but to be competent in the practice of law. That's right. So that little uh, out was pretty much taken care of by the Supreme Court recently. And ignorance is no excuse under the law. <laughs> I mean, even yeah. the Supreme Court actually did something uh, beneficial for the I court. know. It's rare, but I take them when I get them. Okay, absolutely. Well, guys, we're going to call Guinness and uh, get that one on the books. <laughs> that's, that's absolutely amazing. Okay, Marshall, it's the time in the show where you have to give the title of your book again and where people can get it and when. How You Can Defeat Any Debt Collector and Repair Your Own Credit Report. Available? It will be available at my website by the end of next week at debtcollectoreradicator.com and at thebookpatch.com. Excellent. Very good. And it's going for the ridiculous price of $29.99. That's right. Oh, my gosh. It, it hurts me to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I must <laughs> tell you, Mark. It's okay if we, sell, get, if we sell a million copies. I guess it won't hurt as bad, right? you got to make it up in volume. Exactly. So there's going to be a long time at 30 bucks a book before you pay for the time you put into this. Yeah, exactly. So your wife's going, wait a minute. 
It started at 49, then it went to 39. When I finally got down to 29.99, I couldn't go any lower because it cost so much to make it. Right. So, so well, you see that lot. Oh, pardon me, Chris. I'm just going to say, if your site is debtcollectoreradicator.com, it's not coming up when I put it into the search engine right now. Did I hear you say it's not up yet? Well, my the guy that's designing it's probably working on it right now. That's what he's doing. Okay, so don't yeah, don't run over there right now. Just give it a few days. Yeah, it might have like little uh, tabs in front, like a custom button right in front of the like uh, you know the uh, pay now or something. Yeah, so it's it's, it's going to be off and on until it's finished next weekend. Okay, well, here's a question that's been burning, uh, you know, in me ever since you came on, Marshall. Yep. Um, how, how did a Hawaii, California guy end up in New Jersey? Uh, that's a horrifying story. I, I know. I, <laughs> I, I, I grew have really up... been in love for that. <laughs> that's exactly what it was. <laughs> uh, oh, we'll just spend two years in New Jersey, then we'll leave. You know, like, that was a long time ago. Oh, man. My wife was a, a textile engineer, and she got a job <laughs> with Liz Claiborne back in the early 80s. And Ooh. Yeah, she she traveled over the world for them, doing uh, overseeing their textile mills, and uh, she loved it there. So you know, yeah, California, Hawaii to New Jersey. Ooh, bad. <laughs> I, I'm I'm Boston to uh, Hawaii and in Nevada, so I, I just can't even imagine going in the other direction. How long were you there? Oh, I I spent you know almost thirty years in, on Maui. Oh, that's where I'm looking to go back to this summer or this fall. Permanently, it's uh, uh, upcountry Maui. Uh, oh Makawao. yeah, yeah, yeah. I lived, on, I lived on right on Makawao Avenue. <laughs> oh man, see. Yep. So we have something in common. I didn't even know you spent time. I grew up on Oahu. Yep. Kailua. Kailua, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yep. I'm telling you, Kailua doesn't look the same as it did then, though. When no. it still, you, do you still remember when it was dairies? I lived, I lived on a chanted lake in Kailua. Wow. That was a real nice area back in those days. I don't know. I mean, the lake's still there. Still, the homes are still there. But, uh, yeah, it's completely different. The school, I, the elementary school I used to go to is still there. I couldn't wow. believe I Google Earth, you can see everything. It's amazing. Yeah. But, uh, but I'm sure it wasn't a good time being the Howley kid growing up in, in, in Honolulu. In, in yeah, well, you know what? If you're born there, you're a Kanaka, so you're kind of in, you know. You're okay, so you're Kama Aina. Okay. Yeah. So you know, my <laughs> we were we were pretty dark going up there. You know what I'm talking about? You get pretty dark. I have a friend that grew up on Maui about my age, and and it was terrible. They still have Kill Holly Day. The abuse was unbelievable. So yeah. that's it. I'm glad you're going to escape the escape New Jersey winters. And oh. New Jersey summers. It's the worst of both worlds, if you ask me. This last one was horrendous. Oh, yeah, terrible, terrible. So, well, this is this is really a labor of love that you put out to help people, Marshall. Yeah, it's uh, you know as much as it is to deal with debt collectors, it's try, try to educate them. I go, I talk in detail about where the discharge is versus a charge off, so they understand the difference. Insurance claims, accord and satisfaction. I pretty much cover the whole gambit. Well, gosh, everybody needs to just know the difference between with prejudice and without prejudice. Well, that's that's a tough one to learn, you know. Right, right. So, so when they hear the term, they don't confuse them because they are kind of confusing to people. So, uh, you know, in the in your initial question, why is it a fraud? Well, you start addressing every single one. I lay it out for them so they know what the what the term means and why it doesn't work. It gives well, them confidence. Not, not even addressing the point that there isn't any substance back money. They're all mere debt notes. Nothing to do with any 
thing federal or in reserve, so it's nothing but just pretty paper with ink on it that they tell us is money. Yeah, money. Yeah, they've, they've ruined the paper. You can't even make notes on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's really useless now. Yeah, it's it's just currency. It's not, It never was money. Right. Well, and anytime, anytime a debt is sold, sometimes they call it a sign. That's a fancy word for sold. <laughs> if I'm... Anytime it's sold, it's no longer a debt. It then becomes an investment, a gamble, a wager, or some sort of a chance that they bought a lottery ticket on on whether they can dupe the people into paying the debt that they don't owe. In fact, many of the debt collectors try very hard and use what I term uh, U letters or pronoun-rich letters or really psyops mind control letters to try to trick the people into thinking they have an obligation to somebody they never had a contract with. That's right. That's right. They've never had a con, and and they have, and they don't owe anything. That debt has been satisfied already. So t- walk me through this because I, I really want to know this. Say I go down to the big box retailer here and I buy a brand new laptop computer and I put that on my credit card. What, can you describe what happens to the money at that point? Does that big box retailer get, you know, some electrons in, in their account to take care of that and whatever? Is, is anyone ever short of the money? Do, do you know any of that? Is, am I too far out here? Chris, I, I deal with a debt collector. Chris, you <laughs> Well, okay. What happens whenever you use a point-of-sale computer transaction, you enter in your card number, and then the credit line they call it evolving line of consumer credit or trade line of credit is debited. And that's mere digits flowing through the air, as you talked about. Because there isn't any actual money, it's just digits flowing through the air, a accounting transaction that moves the digits from one location to the other location. And that's then entered as a debt to be accumulated, to be paid off on a monthly installment plan a revolving trade line, and that subject credit is likely to go up or down based upon your pay frequency or lack thereof, and that's why it's not as set in time and it doesn't have a finite payment uh, being paid off. That's why it's not an account under the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act. It is a revolving trade line of consumer debt, specifically. All right. So I and then something happens. I lose my job or whatever, and oh. I de- and I default on that credit card that that say laptop computer was still sitting on that credit card it hasn't been paid off. I've made a couple payments on it. Has that big box retailer lost any money? Has has Macintosh lost oh. any money? The big box retailer was paid off immediately within a few seventy-two hours or so, and then whoever back the credit card, held the debt on the credit cards, wrote the notes for them, they're the ones who carried the debt and collected the payments on the debt. And so if it becomes 180 days out, I think it is, you correct me if I'm wrong, please, Marshall, then it becomes uncollectible, then their insurances kick in to pay off their uncollectible loss on that debt, and so therefore it becomes subject for being put out for collection and sold off to debt collectors, if they do it themselves, you're kind of up a creek. Very seldom do they do that. They usually just take, they probably get 80 to 90% of the money paid off that you had outstanding, 
and then have sold to debt collectors to try to collect the full amount of the debt if they can trick the people into doing so. And so at that point, that's when it falls under the debt collection status and falls under the protection against abusive debt collectors that Marshall's book addresses. Yeah, I, I even, I even, because you know, I get asked a lot from people uh, about the moral question, you know, and that's the, that's where they get stuck. It's like, well, Marshall, I borrowed the money. I mean, I, I owe it. I said, well, listen, just listen to what I say. You may have owed somebody that money at one time. Let's just say that they really gave you money and you spent it. Okay, you may have owed somebody at one time, but you don't mm-hmm. have a guy knocking at your door. Never did. That's never right. will. No, and, and with, with mortgages, and this is, I know very little about this subject, but this I know, that when you sign a promissory note for that mortgage, they, the bank takes that to the discount window <laughs> at the Federal Reserve, and they give them nine times the face value of whatever's on that promissory note. So if you borrowed $500,000 uh, for that house, then they actually get back uh, $4.5 million dollars. That they can, that's called the securitization. They've yep. secured, yeah, the securitization <laughs> of that yep. note, and they've monetized your signature every time you sign something. So who is morally bankrupt on this? I would say it is the banksters. Well, yeah, because they initiated it. The Treasury and the Fed and the banks are all in it together. Exactly. There's no <laughs> money. Yeah, cahoots. I, I almost said cahoots. They, they're... <laughs> They are all in it together. They always have been, and we're on the hook. We're the bad little boy that gets spanked at school, you know, and they're stealing us blind. That's <laughs> amazing. Yes, you know, and every, everybody likes to, uh, to badmouth Hitler, but Hitler actually restored the German economy in four years by kicking the banksters out and eliminating their, uh, their ability to charge interest. Did you see what wow. happened in Iceland? Yes, Iceland bank, uh, jailed the banksters. I love it. And they, now it's yes. flourishing. They were completely free. The international banks came in and almost bankrupted their country in a matter of years. It was incredible. They're they, thriving. Yeah. That's what the banks do. And they do it quick. And, 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 you, know, well, and, and you don't see that on CNN, nope. the recovery that, that Iceland's having without the banksters. But that's a perfect example. Yep, perfect example. Here's a factoid for you, Marshall, that you may not know, and I'm Patricia and the listeners. I look, and this is a crime of usury. It's a biblical crime. It's listed in the Ten Commandments, basically, and you're not supposed to pay upon your neighbor. But under the Deposit Thrift Credit Corporation and the Depository Trust Corp., two years ago I looked, and they had stolen from the governments and the people had been stolen from. Actually, the people had been stolen from. Government agents and big banksters, global banksters, had over $36 quadrillion on deposit and just the Depository Thrift Credit Corporation at that time. That's in New York, right? Well, they probably operated from New York, but I think those are in offshore banks either in Switzerland or the International Monetary Fund, the World Bank, or other offshore secret accounts that we don't have, aren't supposed to have knowledge of, but some of us find out, like yourself and hopefully myself. 
Yeah, yeah. So I, I try to fight the fights that are, that are, I mean, this is what people are dealing with every day at home. Yeah, this is, this is, this is, uh, the, we could say the people's war. This is where ordinary, everyday people can actually get some justice on this and get some remedy from what they've been, the abuse they've been taking through the system. And you know what? And people wouldn't have any debts. They, they wouldn't have it. If the system wasn't this corrupt, they would not be losing their jobs. They would not be, uh, you know, the, inflation wouldn't be what it is how they're kicking this this you know this can down the road this far i don't know but it's absolutely remarkable and the system has created this most people do not create their own debt problems yeah you've got some spendthrifts once in a while that go out and run up their credit cards you know default on them but uh that's not most people well you know what patricia the fdc PA covers you whether you did it intentional, you lost your job, you you you, you had a, a medical emergency. It doesn't matter. It still covers you. So it's applicable oh, to everyone. Wonderful. In fact, the Fair Debt Collection Practice Act and the Fair Debt Collect Reporting Act, Federal Debt Reporting Act, have nothing to do with whether the debt exists or not. It's about the way the debt collector attempted to collect the debt. It has that reminds to do with decisions. Yes, very good, Chris. Uh, right, in, I have a, uh, I have pleadings in here, by the way, very well crafted pleadings. One's for a motion to dismiss, and one's a file suit. And the, on the very first page, I have a case law that says exactly what Chris just said. That so they understand from the minute they read that first page, this case is about your your client's violation of federal law. Don't even raise the question of the debt. If they want to sue for the debt, they can bring their own case. This is my case. It's about your your client's violation, and that is it. You got to keep them on point because they'll try to go left and right as fast as they can. Oh, you bet. Oh, absolutely. Huh? In fact, they practice the law of rhetoric. The law of rhetoric by Jean Paul Sartre says one must lie in order to speak the truth. There you go. Yep. Who was that? Uh, there's, a, there's a, a famous quote, uh, a lady named Alice Culler that said, it takes a long time to learn that a courtroom is the last place in the world for learning the truth. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, boy, oh, boy, that's a good one. I love that quote. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Let's look for a minute. I'm going to find a law site for you that you will absolutely love. Great. Well, yeah, good. We're, we're coming up on, on the end of two hours. As usual, it has flown by. And so I want to give uh, Marshall's website again, debtcollectoreradicator.com. And you can go there. It's not up right now, but it will be by the end of the week. Uh, go there. You can get a copy of this book. It's thousands of hours of research that's gone into this. And when you've heard him talk, it's laid out meticulously. Anybody can use it to their advantage. And all you have to do is, um, I, I think it's got to be step by step, right? You know, one oh, from is. column A, one from column B. I mean, just just do what you say, and um, and you should be home free from these this debt collector fraud. On the debt collectors, Marshall's technique works very, very well and is very effective. I will you tell you when you go to fight against a bank or the big law firms that work for banks, it does get to be a little more complex. They play hardball there. Okay, somebody's got somebody's got a question here. One of my law dogs, these common law people. Can you ask if they sue as a man or a person? Yeah. Well, uh, well, you go ahead first, Chris. 
I be, did be read quick. a case We're recently. Running out of time. <laughs> okay. They kept it under constitutional diversity, and the case, the court noted that it was a particularly curious case because they don't usually do it that way. But the pro se case who did that, and that's where you can use Wendell versus Delaware, and it has to be a live living person. They have to be like and kind parties to come against each other in controversy because a corporation. Okay, so it has to be a fiction to fiction then. So it has that's to be right. a person. Okay, okay. on that case. But Patricia and I had a discussion already, and although I'm a patriot, I don't want to offend anybody by any means whatsoever. I'm not saying I don't believe all of it because there's a lot of merit to it. We all know that. But when I'm in court, I'm in there doing it strictly by the book, and I've never lost a case doing it. So I stay away from that when I'm in court because I don't need it. Okay, so, yeah, strictly by the book. I was in the law library this past Saturday here in, in, in Clark County. And so I, I, I was laughing with the, uh, the, the clerk that was there, you know, the librarian. And I said, you know, it's funny. People, people are offended by the law in the Bible. And the Bible's this big and only a little bit of it's the law. Look at all these shelves. Look at the Nevada Revised Statues. It takes up how many linear feet? And he laughed. He said, yeah, I know. It's crazy, huh? Well, I got Here's one. That. Hey. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Marshall. I got, this is uh, on the very first page of my lawsuit at the bottom. It says... As referenced in Spears v. Brennan in the, in the Court of Appeals 2001, an FDA, FDCPA claim has nothing to do with whether the underlying debt is valid. The FDCPA claim concerns the method of collecting the debt. It does not arise out of the transaction creating the debt. That seals it right there. Now the case is right on course. It's about their violation, so there'll be no waste of time talking about, well, did you borrow the money? It's over. You're not here to talk I've got to have your, got to have your book, Marshall, and hopefully Patricia will convey my contact information to you and you well, and I. Can I don't know. I'll think, I'll think about it, Chris. <laughs> Here's the case that you don't want to mark down. This is from Crossley versus Lieberman, 868 F2D 566. Under the Act, attorney debt collectors want closer scrutiny because their abusive debt collection practices are more egregious than those of lay collectors. Okay, we got the music here, everybody. Uh, Common Law Chris, thank you very much. Marshall Schroeder, we're so excited to get our hands on your book. Thank you so much. We appreciate you being here today. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you.